Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of investment decisions. That's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money. And I've got a special offer code, 10% off radio. Use the offer code radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com, offer code radio. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions, and you'll learn why never to go to an emergency room during a global pandemic with a fish hook in your thumb. I'm your host, Peter Nicholas Dunn. Joining me, as always, is the Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money, Damian Dunn from Studio North. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. So, yeah, I hooked myself in the thumb in my garage. I wasn't even actually fishing, and I hooked myself so bad that I had to have it surgically removed. It could cost my family thousands of dollars. Can you imagine how much this is going to cost? I think that's a segment in and of itself. First email. If you want to email us, you can always do so. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Also streaming live on Facebook. Uh, all right, Dame. So here's the first question. It's from a lovely woman named Mary. I don't know if she's lovely, but I'm just going to call everyone lovely today. By the way, Dame, you look lovely. Hi, Pete. I'm a long time fan of your blog and value your opinion. Hmm. Huh. That's a... I need some advice on what to do with approximately... 50,000 American dollars. You can use it to pay for my thumb bill. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying. Here's a scenario. I'm a youthful 58-year-old single woman, mother of two adult children and three grandchildren. I bet she makes banana bread. What do you think, Dame? I bet it's delicious. I spent the last two years sharing my home on Airbnb. I remained in the home during that time, which allowed me to meet lots of interesting people pay off debt, and get into a better financial position, which enabled me to purchase a nicer home last May. I recently sold the Airbnb home right before the pandemic. Someone was looking out for me. And I am now debt-free, except for my new mortgage, which is approximately $100,000. It's a 15-year mortgage, 2.75%. Ooh. Now I'm sitting on 50K. I'm nervous to say the least. I don't know if I should move it to my IRA, which has dropped approximately 200, dropped to approximately 250,000. Damn, I was about to say, if it dropped 250,000, that's different than dropping to 250,000. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or should I put it in a brokerage account or an annuity or should I just keep it in my attic? <laughs> just joking about that. It's in the bank, but I'm not used to this problem. What would you recommend? I'm still employed, make approximately $75,000. I feel like this is like a tender profile I would swipe the right way on, right? Totally. Not on tender. 
Uh, my retirement goal is to retire in the next couple of years and have a personal dog sitting training grooming business out of my home. She seems like a load of fun. Yeah. I will have a small pension from a prior job, 300 a month. My IRA, Roth IRA just opened. So it's only got $7,000 in it. Social security and the dog business to live on. Maybe I should give some to my children and grandchildren. Thanks so much, Pete. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, man. All right, Dame, you get the first shot at this thing. Other than I, in terms of dating her, I would like to be first in line. But let's try to answer her financial questions. The one thing that we didn't hear about in this situation was emergency fund. Yeah, Outside of this 50K, what do we have set aside for Well, when life happens to us? Is there anything sitting there? If not, part of that 50K has got to go towards there first and foremost. Don't think twice. Put it in that savings account or a new savings account or a CD. I don't care what it is, but set it aside. Don't you agree? I do. And here's the terrible part. And this is always the worst part. When someone says the following line, oh, I got to find it now. That was so set up to be so good. And then I didn't have it. I, or something like I've never had this problem or I'm nervous. I've never been. Then when you tell them to sit on it and do nothing, that's an unsatisfying answer. You know what I mean? Isn't sometimes the right answer an unsatisfying one though? Just because we're so programmed to look for the the cutting edge answer or the way to get ahead of the game. And, and sometimes the way to get ahead of the game is just by doing nothing. As uh, weird as that sounds, but if, if you don't have that core level of stability going forward, especially right now, that's job one. Make sure that emergency fund is established and ready to go. You know... Uh, here's the thing. We're going to talk about financial boredom a lot in the third segment. In fact, the entire segment is about financial boredom as a bad thing. But what I'm telling you right now, my friend, is it's a good thing to make do something boring financially because if she doesn't have an emergency fund, she makes $75,000 a year. This will become her retirement emergency fund that will allow her to take other risks with her money, Will that will you know allow her to start this dog sitting, grooming, petting, walking business. Was that all the verbs that were involved with that business? There were a lot of verbs. Seemed like several verbs. I think sometimes when you come into multiple tens of thousands of dollars and you're not used to that, it feels like you have to leverage that money to build wealth. When in fact, to your point, if you don't have an emergency fund, you've saved the day because in retirement, you will inevitably need chunks of money, not just the income generated from your income generating assets, but you will need chunks of money to protect those income generating assets. And that's what, I don't want to say it scares me, Dane, but that's what that's what uh, our friend Mary needs to consider here. If she, let's, let's say that she does have that emergency fund established right now. Things start to open up a little bit, right? Yeah. So we could start looking at things like uh, setting aside some cash for the the dog verb business that, that she wants to and make sure that she's got some cash set aside that it's just ready to go when when she's able to start working with canines. Wouldn't you also just year after year transition that 50K into Roth IRA money? I mean, couldn't you just make a, sure. a deposit that way every year? Yeah, and so that would be... a easy option number two is just to plan on start making Roth IRA contributions as long as she's making uh, earned income. Well, I guess even if the, with the dog verb business, she'd still be uh, <laughs> ma- having 
now, earned now, income. So now that we stream this live on Facebook as we record the show, and of course you listening on the radio right now, anyway, uh, I hate that people can just see that I laughed at one of your jokes. I feel like it's a weakness of mine now. We have proof, and the I don't even know how many people are watching. You know, three, four people watching that we have proof. I have of witnesses. All right, Dame. So I'm with you there. Is there anything else she should consider? I mean, she could do a brokerage account. Um, I hope that she has an investment advisor of some sort. She's got a rather sophisticated setup. She's got a pension. She's got an IRA, a Roth IRA. Um, I take I take she, a look around. Take a look around the house. See if there's anything that's going to need some immediate repairs. That's going to sap uh, some some resources down the road. If she knows that she's going to need a roof on this house in another five years or so. Maybe keep some of that cash set aside for a eventual roof replacement. If she knows there's going to be a vehicle that needs to be changed, maybe uh, with the new business, she gets a, a little uh, van to pick up clients and bring them back to her place for haircuts and, and spa days. The, the, the dogs, you just drive to the house, pick them up, take them back, drop them off. It's curbside service for your dogs, Pete. That's caramel. There's got to be a place like that. And you're, you're I left at one of your jokes and now you're, you're doing a set for us. You know what? You're jealous. Definitely not jealous. Dame, um, I I love when we get emails from people where you just implicitly trust the person based on what they've described the decisions they've already made. And and this is one of those situations. I read this email. I I don't question her judgment. In fact, I I say to you, Mary, if you're listening, because we'll send this to you, that trust your gut. And ideally, your gut says to just keep it in savings. The other thing is, Dame, when, you, when you're a working person, you have an emergency fund. We like three months expenses set aside. But as you transition into the distribution phase of your life, which is retirement, you need more than three months expenses. You need somewhere between fifty dollars to $100,000 because it may have to last all of your emergencies for 30 years because you can't refill your emergency fund with your retirement income, or most people can. And so that's what we have to look out for. Right? Yes? No? Yeah, totally. And this could have been a really nice buffer if, if she had just retired and needed to not withdraw money from those investments as well. It could have given her some time for those investments to recover as well. All right. I liked how you said as well twice there. All right, Dame, coming up after the break, another listener question. If you want to email us, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show. It's the the brother hooked himself in the thumb with a fishing hook edition of the show. If you're watching our live stream on Facebook, which the odd thing is, if you're listening on the radio or the podcast, we live streamed this a few days ago. And really, anyway, if you're watching our live stream right now on Facebook, you'll notice that I have a giant Smurf puppet on my thumb. It's because I had a fish hook surgically removed from my thumb yesterday. Damien, next question is from I don't Richard. Can I call you, Dick? Social security question. Hello. I know there have been a lot of social security changes in the recent years. I'm four years older than my wife. Nice. Her family typically lives into their 90s. My family does not. Did that get dark or is that just realistic? I think that's just pure honesty in these times, Pete. I feel like older people are more comfortable with those sorts of things. You know what I mean? Don't you kind of have to be? You do. I, I I think it's one of those just practical, 
hey, man, I need to make sure my wife's okay when I'm yeah. on here. I earn quite a bit more than she does. I like that flex. I wanted to hold off on filing for Social Security until I made 70 to maximize my benefit and more importantly, my wife's benefits, assuming she outlives me. Here's the question. She's currently 60 years old. Dame, that means he's 64. I did the math. Nice. Can apply for Social Security at age 62 based on her earnings and receive benefits. And I want to apply. Hold on. I, hold on. Can she apply? It was a question. Can she apply for Social Security at age 62 based on her earnings and receive benefits? And I wait to apply for my benefits? Thank you, Richard. Well, yeah, Dame. I mean, she can apply for her benefits at 62. He can wait until he's 70 and then he'll be getting his full benefits. And then when he dies, then she technically gets to choose between her benefits or his and she'll take his. Correct. I mean, is there anything else to say there? Not really. Uh, what he's doing, and, and so we'll put a little color into this, she'll be uh, eligible for a spousal benefit when he passes away, which would, uh, well, actually before that. However, when he passes, she'll get the higher of the two, just like Pete said. So uh, there is another option in there, as I said, with a spousal benefit that if if she wanted to wait until he filed for Social Security, then she could get half of his immediately when he files, which You'd have to do the math and see what the break even turns out on that. But uh, yeah, so they've got a couple options that they could go here, but what he's proposing, totally fine. New question. This one's from Donna, two ends. Hi, Pete. Would it be wise to pull equity out of my home? I'm retiring in June and will be fra in August. What does that mean? Full retirement age. Oh, look look who just learned something. Is Is that an acronym? Yeah, FRA, full retirement age. Huh, I should get in the financial business someday. Uh, I plan on taking my Social Security then. I believe rates are around 3.5% and would plan on a 30-year mortgage. House is assessed at $147,000 and would, board, and would mortgage enough to invest $100,000 in Vanguard. There'll be closing costs and inspection fees, etc., which I would include in mortgage, which will end up being $102,000. I'm guessing that is uh, including fees. My thought is with mortgage rates low, I like, can I say that like the mortgage commercials do? Please. With historically low mortgage rates, anyway, and market values lowering, it would be a good time to invest long-term and most likely gain more than interest on mortgage. Money will be available to use prudently for next used car purchase in a few years, home improvement, I went through this application process a few years back, but chickened out. Buck, buck. I've owned the home mortgage. Did you just laugh at me? I laughed. Did you say buck, buck? Was that in the email? No, it wasn't on the email. I added it. Oh, well, then it wasn't funny. I'm a trained comedian. I've owned the home mortgage free for 20 years. Does this make sense? I think it's better than a home equity loan or reverse mortgage. I don't need the money, but believe it could elevate my net worth. Uh, by investing. I do not think my home value will rise as much as the market in the next 25 years. I've not calculated the mortgage payment yet or the tax implications with investing. Yet, I feel that this is a prudent move. What do you think, Donna? Oh, Donna. Dame, what do you think? Man, I have feelings. Do you like to gamble, Donna? She's about to spin that roulette roulette wheel. Hope it lands on fra. Yeah, it's... This I don't is like that. I, I I'm what fra or this idea? 
either. The idea just seems like it's just an unforced error waiting to happen. Like did when I was reading it, did it seem like her retirement was going to be hurting besides that? And she doesn't need to do this, right? It was one of the last few sentences that you read was, I don't need the money. Oh, don't do this, Donna. You know, I don't, I don't even think she has a high risk tolerance. That's why things like this sort of slay me, right? Is there anything that made you think that she has a high risk tolerance? No, I mean, there wasn't, I mean, other than her suggestion at doing this, I mean, that, that's the only thing that, that jumps out at me as a high, high risk tolerance uh, thing in, in her profile. You know, what's weird is she did actually read the tea leaves relatively well in, in the sense that mortgage rates are low, uh, property values are going to probably dip a little bit. The market, the stock market, I'm guessing she's going to go with like an S&P 500 index fund through Vanguard. That's what I read. Um, it's relatively low. And so she's saying, okay, buy low, sell high. That's what I heard on the Pete the Planner show. I should buy low and sell high. So she's technically trying to make this decision based on real solid fundamentals, but the risk is really wonky. She's she's intertwining parts of the shredded wheat biscuit that shall not be intertwined. Yeah, I... If this was just a, a pile of money sitting in a saving account somewhere, it feels totally different because you're not putting your house up for grabs if things go really, really sideways, right? She she is doing the essence of arbitrage to borrow one rate and get a better rate and then keep the gap. I mean, that's, that is fundamentally smart, but I think for a seasoned accredited investor, not a retiree. So do I hear you promising that the markets are going to go higher over the next three to five years? Stop it. Oh, you stop I, it. I, maybe I misunderstood. I'm sorry. No, I mean, look, I, I have no idea what the markets are going to do over the next few years. I would think they are going to trend up um, over a period of time, but I don't necessarily think I'd be willing to guarantee that. No, uh, obviously nobody can guarantee that. And I, I think that's the whole point. I mean, you're, you're talking about taking a large chunk of equity out of a house and using it for another purpose. However, if the unknown happens, the house comes into question or being able to stay in the house may come into question. Now, she did say she doesn't need the money. So that means me, she can, yeah, she can which handle Which makes me wonder what else is there. I mean, maybe this is not a concern. Uh, the, the, the cash, the cash is there and she will never have to worry about a housing situation for the rest of her life. So what's the know. point then? I mean, I, like it, it, if she said, well, my primary concern is passing on wealth to future generations, then yeah, leveraging some money to, you know, gain a return makes sense. But I think it, 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 to ultimately answer this question, you would have to know her investment objective. And unless it's wealth transfer, then the answer is don't do it. It doesn't make sense. I ever tell you my weatherman story. I had a friend who was a weatherman. This was years ago. And he was about to retire. He was about a year out from retirement. And he said, uh, hey, I'm thinking about trading in precious metals because I have a friend who does it. And I'd like to squeak out some heftier returns of this last year as a, a working person. And I was like, well, tell me more. And so he told me like he, basically he had a boring financial existence that worked out that it was great. And then he wanted to change his strategy the last year, which would have been a incredibly 
large unforced error, even if it had worked out, I would still call it, uh, you know, an unforced error. I think people just want to feel like they're the reason they had, they, they, they got over that, that boredom didn't win, but strategy. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. I right. totally see that. All right, Dan, we got to take another break. Coming back after the break, more of the show. I'm Pete, the planner. Bye. Back on the Pete the Planner show, I just explained to our Facebook Live audience how we do this, and all of them were like, "No one's here anymore." <laughs> Dame, okay, you know I don't love to make predictions. I just feel like I know what's coming over the next ten weeks from a personal finance standpoint for the vast majority of Americans, and I would like to share that idea with you, and I would like you to shoot it down and tell me I'm wrong because, man, I hope I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. Dame, you know this more than honestly anyone in the world because you and your team answer phone calls from lots of people all day long and emails. You know the temperature, the financial temperature of Americans right now as much as anyone. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I got a pretty good handle on that. You know the tone. You know the panic. You know the number of tears you've heard in the last week versus the ones you heard six weeks ago. You know. And the only reason I know is because of you, right? Talking to you informs me. Here's what I think. And I'm curious if you feel the same way. I think the shock has worn off. I think the triage has taken hold. And now we're in this new period of time where people have accepted their reality. But I think their current reality has led to complacency. And people aren't effectively preparing for when this gets worse, which is July from a financial perspective. And I'm not talking about the virus. Our economy is going to get real bad in July for several reasons. I'm going to explain those reasons to you now. Number one, PPP, which is the Paycheck Protection Program. It was only meant to give eight weeks worth of wages. So that's to say that small businesses that don't have revenue or invoices aren't being paid or they can't get new, new business they will have run out of money. Number two, the enhanced unemployment benefits of $600 a week on top of state benefits brought to you by the CARES Act runs out in July as well. And while I do think arguably there could be another direct to American stimulus payment in May or June, it's likely to be a nominal amount of money and the economy will not be flipped back on like a light switch We are a light dimmer economy and the lights will be turned on to a real soft romantic level, but the the flywheel of the economy will not be spinning again. And that's why I think this complacency that set in because people were so shocked and so hurt and so scared and couldn't sleep and they want some sense of normalcy. They've settled into this new normalcy, yet they're not preparing for what's about to get worse. Please tell me I'm a dumb conspiracy theorist, Dame. You're not the dumbest conspiracy theorist. Yes. Yes. You are correct. There are a number of things that ring truish, uh, I feel, with, with what you're saying. Yes, the the um, the gravy train, I hate to call it that, but the extra yeah, 600 not- bucks uh, a month that you're getting for unemployment uh, that is tremendously helpful in 
a ton of different situations will run out. Uh, will it be you know, reintroduced in, a, in another bill, perhaps uh, maybe at a lower amount? We don't know. So ideally, what folks have been doing is taking this time to do exactly what you said, triage, get your expenses in line, uh, not just try and carry on as it's just a, an unfortunate time in our, our national history or, or global history, but to prepare for July, August, and September while the, the country begins to get back online. As, as states begin to loosen restrictions and uh, get people back out into public and, and the economy, um, you're right. It, it's not a light switch. It's a rheostat, and it's going to be a while before it gets turned back up to full brightness. Um, we talked the other day about restaurants, especially, you know, small locally owned restaurants so they can have customers back in. If they can only have a fifth of the tables open, what's that look like? Is that really much of a benefit to, to their, you know, their business to have a fraction of, of the income coming back in? I don't know. And I'm not sure it's going to work quite as well as we had hoped. So, we're going to have to figure out how to get this thing turned back on faster than than uh, what we may be able to if we want to have any sense of normalcy heading into this fall. Yeah, I don't think maybe you meant you were talking about the businesses when you said August, September, October. Maybe mm-hmm. you meant individuals, but man, I think most people are trying to grab onto normalcy. And when I say that, I think what they're doing is, let's say unemployment bridged the gap. Let's say unemployment came close to bridging the gap to their old lifestyle they had pre-pandemic. I think instead of getting lean and getting ready for the S storm that's coming in July, they want to feel comfort in normalcy. And I think instead of fighting for the troubling times coming in the future, they're fighting for that normalcy, which I call boredom. And I think that's the issue. I, I don't think people never know how bad it really is. They, they just don't. And I, I don't say that judgmentally. I just, you and I've been working, working in personal finance for what, a combined 40 years or something like that. People just don't know. They, they don't know how bad it is because they're so used to doing it short of the ideal way. If you've never had an emergency fund, then you don't know that that's what you're supposed to do and it doesn't resonate. And I, 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 again, this is not judgment. This is me not casting stones. This is me saying, I think the worst is yet to come from a personal finance standpoint. And I hope, I, God, I hope I'm wrong. To reinforce that point that you just made, um, if you haven't been doing it right, for so long, uh, it, it's almost impossible to see why what you're doing is wrong. Yes. Uh, there, there's a number of people, uh, one in particular that I just spoke to yesterday. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, he's got a number of priorities. And if you were to lay them out on a sheet of paper and point to the one that you think was most important, the one that was most important probably would have been the last one you would have picked to be perfectly honest to provide that stability that you need going forward and to get him to that point to where he could say, yeah, I see that now that makes all the sense in the world was a huge victory for that, that gentleman. And he's going to be in great shape going forward. So if you're finding yourself in a, a spot where you've got some breathing room right now and you haven't began to prepare for the rest of 2020, let's just call the rest of 2020. 
I urge you to make start making some changes and start finding more margin in your your month to month financial life. Your wife has a brilliant financial mind, and I'm curious: Have you guys talked through the rest of 2020? Um, we made some pretty big changes earlier this year, or had planned on making some some big changes. Um, we've looked at uh, a couple different options. We made some. I guess that was we've made two really big changes uh, yeah. going forward for this year um, that are going to give us some some margin going forward, and we're both in a position lucky enough to to be able to work from home, um, whether or not things are normal or not. So our, our transportation costs can get, get cut down uh, tremendously as well. So yeah, I, we're aware that there's probably some rough times on the horizon, even though it's going to feel good to to get back out into public a little bit, but just because we're able to go places doesn't mean that things are going to be okay. Yeah. I feel like at our house, at least we we've talked through the financial realities sort of modeled out different ways of 2020. And even as a, as you know, you're on our executive team at our organization, we've modeled it out <laughs> a million different ways. Cause I love spreadsheets. Uh, I think if you're listening right now or if you have a loved one that you could conceivably get this show over to and you don't think either you or them have prepared appropriately by looking into July and August, September, October, November, December, those are the months, then you should because this is boredom. This is what boredom feels like. You're still scared about the virus. You're still a little bit shocked of what you, you know, what used to be and what your new reality is. But if you're not, if you're not thinking about the, the summer and the fall, you're doing it wrong. And I, I want you to come around. So, Dame, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. And coming up after the break, biggest waste in money of the week, which will be slightly controversial this week. But you may have to talk me off the ledge on that one. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is... Dan, that's what I always do. You really see it on camera, but when I go, yes. Okay, this is controversial, and I kind of feel bad, but I just the way I feel. And I, you can feel differently than I feel, but I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I actually, the the the, the medical professionals that were sewing up my hand last night because of the deep flesh wound brought about by a intense, rude fishing lure. I talked to them about this. Damn, I think the biggest waste of money going this week right now, oh my God, why am I doing this? I think it's the, the flyover for the medical professionals. <laughs> I don't get it. What's, how did, like, what, and, and the, the medical professionals I were talking to, they're like, yeah, it, cool. We don't care. We just want PPE. Well, how does that help anyone? I don't get it. It's morale, man. Morale. No, who's morale? Everybody's. I, look, it's, I'll tell you, seeing a flyover is one of the coolest things you can see. It just is. But I don't, it's not going to, how is it supposed to lift someone's spirit? It's like that 90s actress, Hillary Burton. Did you see that news this week? No. She said she's letting her hair go gray because, and not coloring it. Is a show of support to medical workers during this trying time. What a sacrifice. You know, f- 
flyovers are are just a show of strength that that uh, the U.S. government is is there and is watching over everything that we do and making sure that <laughs> you don't believe this. I, I I'll, I'll just keep my mouth shut going forward before, look, I, before I, I get into conspiracy theory. Look, I, I I love the military. I think they're great. I have a lot of friends in the military. Thank you for your service. Your service has nothing to do with flying over medical workers who are inside of a building who need the funds for personal protection equipment. That's my opinion. I, mean, I know they, it's yeah. If they want to be really cool flyovers, flyovers, wouldn't they just like bring them in lower and faster and really make them impressive instead of just this slow formation flying past buildings? I do get that they have to have training exercises. And, I, and I, my, my guess is that's probably the justification is, well, we've got to keep the equipment current. So we might as well fly blue angels who aren't in service. They're a, Dame, a couple things for you. You you sent me some good current events this week. I try. I like them. Oh, hold on. Oh, not that one. Oh, here they go. Uh, nope. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Dame, nationwide, one of the largest insurers in the world just said that they are making remote work permanent in five states so it has begun my commercial real estate friends so it has begun it's coming man i don't think there's any way that we can say it's not from here on out Uh, work life is being changed before our very eyes we're already participating in the future how weird is that what if you and i never physically see each other again can we do that Wait a second. I didn't like that. I just don't want to fish at your pond up at your property. But, and I think there's bass in there, but you said there's not. And I want to check it out. Not yet. Um, Dame, I think commercial real estate is in big trouble. And again, I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I'm not a commercial real estate expert by any means, but I feel like I can read the tea leaves. And there we go. I like to think that uh, Americans have somewhat short memories for for certain things, and maybe this will turn into one of them that will do the the work at home thing for a while, and and we'll all grow fed up with with this arrangement, and we'll want to congregate back again together in in large buildings infested with germs and viruses, and we'll gather, and and the real estate will be fine. But I think for the foreseeable future – and people aren't going to be real hot to jump into those long-term contracts that uh, keep you in there, at least without not a uh, provision to get out of uh, uh, some money for pandemics that keep you out of the building. I mean, we've been paying full rent uh, because we can and we got PPP. So it's like it makes sense. And um, we haven't stepped foot in there in two months and we're not stepping foot in there in May and June is in question. So it's like, man. Also, from a person who flies over 100 times a year, I don't know how I'm going to be jumping on a plane that many times. I've booked some gigs um, in the fall where I'm supposed to be flying somewhere. But, Dame, I've been doing so many virtual shows, if you will, via our equipment here in my home office. It's like I, I feel like keynotes are going to transition into a different thing. Why, why hold a very expensive conference with a lot of people when you can pull off a reasonable web event? It's a lot more efficient and, and frankly safe. 
I think it's time you start looking into a, a big motor coach like John Madden and just drive across mm. the country to these places. I wouldn't mind that. I, I it's weird. I I have a love hate relationship with business travel. I view it as a challenge that I I just af- try to efficiently maximize my efforts and motions. Like I can I know how many steps it is from a per- certain parking space to the TSA checkpoint at the Indianapolis International Airport. I mean, you know how I get about things. Mm-hmm. So and and I know I can the second I step foot off of a plane, I can be at my house in 40 minutes. Um I just like those things. But the idea of of the, the the idea of travel actually sort of disgusts me now because of you just you don't understand how germs transfer until the moment we're really in now, right? It's just like I'm so I'm so woke to germ transfer now. What, what does traveling Pete look like? Let's say you have to get on a plane in two months. What does traveling Pete look like? Is a good question. Number one. We're talking a, a, a flat bill hat, of course, to pull over my eyes. Of course. We're talking a mask. By the way, how great is this for the unattractive people that masks are going to be a thing? Hadn't thought Can, about it. No. Well, that's all I think about at night. I'm like, finally, I've got a level playing field. I can walk out in public and just look like a good looking guy. And they don't know until you lower the mask. wonder if that's the new intimacy. Where you're out with someone, and you're like, you nod, I'm like, eh. and then you just, I'm going to lower my mask for you. And you lower your mask as a, as a sign of like deepening of the relationship. And it's like, hey, check out, look at my lips. What do you think? This is it first base now? Yeah, first base is lowering your mask. Second base is removing your gloves. Third base is not carrying hand sanitizer with you. And fourth case is quarantining with someone. <laughs> this is a financial show allegedly uh, yeah i'm not looking forward to business travel again although you know look oh man i've got so many airline miles right now and i've got f- because we had to cancel flights i've got four flights worth of flight credits and enough airline miles to probably buy eight tickets with nowhere to go and no desire to go anywhere if you could trade all those miles for a half a beef for your for a freezer would you do it i don't know how much half of a cow costs do you does it matter i don't know i look i do you do you buy the the meat supply thing the the shortage i i've read conflicting reports as you know the first person that came out and said there's going to be a meat shortage was sort of a self-serving explanation of the meat uh food chain supply chain what do you think I honestly haven't looked into it too much because I question almost anything that I see online or in print anymore. So I'll take care of my own. Oh my gosh. You're such a survivalist. You're so self-sufficient. I like all the people complaining about haircuts and baldies like you and I are just like, sub now? Whatever. Looking like a genius. I've been saving $13 every five weeks for years now. Ah, Dave, that's it for this week's show. I'm I'm literally after I send this to the radio station these files I'm not going to do anything for 72 hours. Good for you. Tired, my thumb hurts. <laughs> I just want to complain. Dame, thanks for being you. Thanks for helping all of our clients this week, you and your team. You guys have done a great job over the last 7 weeks. Prior to that it was bad, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
Thanks. All right, hey, everybody. Thanks for your questions. You can email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. For your Facebook people, thanks for watching as well. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show.